welcome to Tenacity with Sonia C, the podcast where we dive deep into the stories behind the success, uncovering the lessons learned and the insights gained by leaders and innovators in the business world. I'm your host, Sonia, and today's guest joining us is Jonathan Green. Jonathan is a best-selling author, a master of AI tools, and an entrepreneur who's been leading the charge in the online business world for over a decade. He's a pioneer in the digital frontier, someone who's harnessed the power of artificial intelligence to transform the online business landscape. Jonathan is dedicated to empowering new entrepreneurs through his groundbreaking AI training programs, AI Freedom for Entrepreneurs, and Fractional AIO for Businesses. He's demystifying the world of AI, making it accessible and actionable for everyone looking to build online businesses. Today, Jonathan is here to share his insights on how AI tools like ChatGPT can not only accelerate your business growth, but also create new pathways to success that were not possible just a few years ago. Let's get started. Welcome, Jonathan, to the podcast. Hey, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, So today we're going to talk all about AI. I'm excited. I love AI. I love tech. So let's dig in. Um, so can you talk about a little bit your journey uh, to AI mastering? So um, can you share your journey from starting an online business in 2010 to becoming an AI expert? What, inspi- what inspired you to integrate AI into your business strategy? Yeah, I started way back in 2010 when I got fired from my dream job and I realized I don't want someone else to ever be able to fire me or yell at me or judge me again. I just got tired of people having power over me. And I wanted to be in charge of my decisions. If I make money, it's my fault. And if I don't make money, it's my fault. I just wanted to be in control. Mm. And I went through a lot of iterations, trying different ideas and building different online businesses. And I went from delivering a lot of services to eventually switching to training and kind of turning my what I was doing into courses, which is how you scale. And then over the last couple of years, AI tools have just started coming out. And a lot of them were just okay for the last few years, but then when ChatGPT 3.5 came out a year ago, everything changed. Finally, there was a tool that could actually be intuitive. Like you could misspell a word and it still knew what you meant. And it could write things that were readable and didn't sound crazy and it didn't need a massive rewrite. I read it, go, oh, this is something that would be okay to share. Mm-hmm. It's finally crossed that bridge where it's useful. It switched from a novelty, kind of like right now, there's a lot of people talking about video AI. Video AI is not useful yet because they always show you a three second clip. They never show you a three minute clip or a 30 second rate. So it's like, yeah, it's an interesting, but not useful phase. So once it switched over, I started watching just tons of training videos and I would just try everything. I tried a lot of things and just got really good at figuring out ways around walls. And other people were hitting people and say, oh, you can't do this. I was like, oh, I already figured out a way. Mm-hmm. You can't do that. I'm like, I already figured out a way. So I watch a video and they'll go, it can do A, but it can't do B. And I would go in and go, I bet I can get it to that. Or they'll say, oh, it takes 10 prompts. And I think I can do it in seven. I'm always trying to do faster, 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 more efficient and kind of bypassing all the hard parts to get to the really good result. And it is a process, but it's very natural to me. And I just am lucky that it's something that works for how I think. So I really kind of caught on not at the very beginning, but close to the beginning of the wave that AI is here to stay. There's Mm -hmm. been kind of a series of bad technologies like 3D televisions and (laughs) memes, 
crypto coins and then it was the metaverse, right? And then it was NFTs and those were like technologies came and they're all gone, right? They're, no one's talking about NFTs anymore. No one's talking about metaverse anymore. So a lot of people came in and said, oh, AI is probably just the next one in a series. You know, you fooled me four times. I'm not falling for this one, but this is the one that's here to stay. Mm-hmm. So I've really been, it's not really optional. It's just a matter of when you learn, not if you learn. So I just got in earlier. And from then I realized that a lot of people are struggling with it. There's so many tools, there's so many launches, there's so much news. It's very overwhelming. The onboarding is terrible. How are you going to figure out how to use it when it's just a blank page? So I said, oh, I can fill in this gap. And that's really the middle of the markets. What I go for is let me just talk about things that are practical, minimum effort, maximum result, and just stick to one part of the AI market. And that's just my world. So how, how are you inter- integrating that? What are you using it for? Almost everything I do, every time I write a LinkedIn post, every time I edit a podcast, every time I create a social media clip, every time I respond to an email, I'm probably using some AI tool to help me with that process to do it faster. So one of the questions I get asked a lot, I actually just had this conversation with somebody yesterday and, and they're always like, I'm a big, I'm a big AI fan. I love chat GPT. I, I feel like that these kind of tools exist not to replace you, but to make your job easier, not harder. But a lot of people are saying, oh, you know, chat GPT, people are using it and it's, it's taking away from humanizing your answers and you know, it doesn't have the, it doesn't have the expression of who you are, right? What advice do you give to our listeners who are using AI tools to sort of how to, how to use AI tools like ChatGPT so that it still has the human factor to it and how do they use it properly? It all comes down to how you use it. So there are people that will just say, ChatGPT, write me an email. They copy and paste and send it without reading it. They're doing that with blog posts or doing a social media content. We're all seeing it. There are certain posts you go, this was written by AI because it's using these certain AI phrases. Like nobody uses the word pondering. No one talks about in the digital landscape. So whenever I see those little phrases and a bunch of other ones, I know it's an AI post and they probably didn't read it. The purpose of AI is not to remove yourself from the process. It's to move you from the factory floor into management instead of writing the email to reading it and tweaking it before it goes out. And when you remove that middle step, then you get that bad product going out the door, right? That's when you get the generic content. When you don't take the time to customize your prompt and to get it to sound like you, because there's a process you can go through to train the AI, either using GPTs or using custom instructions or using just a starting prompt to set it to sound the way you want it to, to use the language you want, the personality you want to match your style. Mm -hmm. When you do that, get really good results. So it's a very powerful tool, but it's just like anything. I can get into an airplane. I don't know what any of the buttons do. Right. So it doesn't matter how powerful it is because I'm not able to use it correctly, but you take someone who's been through pilot training, they can do a lot. So it comes down to how much you use it, but absolutely you have to have the human involvement with the AI to get the good result. And so you just have to read the email, watch the video. That part of the process still has to be there. Otherwise, you will let things slip through that you regret. So that's the mistake people are making. And that's why they're getting that bad taste in their mouth when they look at other people's content, because those people are misusing the tool. And of course, they're getting an inferior result. Yeah. So another aspect of that, which is sort of what we're talking about, um, marketing teams are now, a lot of people are using ChatGPT to write like blog posts, for example. 
or to do SEO for, you know, basic, a lot of entrepreneurs who don't have resources to like a marketing team, they'll use it for that. But I'm hearing, and I, I, I'm not, I don't know if I'm a hundred percent correct, but I'm hearing that Google now um, is recognizing when something is being done on chat GPT and when it's not, and it's sort of rejecting the chat GPT stuff. So that's mostly true, but not a hundred percent. There are some people, there are some people who are very good at SEO and chat GPT that are ranking stuff. Okay. They're the exception, not the rule. What's happening is you have access to a very powerful AI. Okay. Mm -hmm. If you're on the paid version of chat GPT, you're paying $20 a month. Yeah. But if you think your AI is better than Google's AI, you're crazy. Google okay. has their own, right? It's like the sword and the shield. Their investment in defensive technology is so much more than you would ever spend on trying to beat their system. Mm. Means you can, for a short time, trick them. Here's why. So I watch a lot of videos by people that um are in the video game banning industry. So their job is to find cheaters in video games. And one of these guys was talking about this weekend. He says, the reason I wait three months or six months to ban anyone. Because if we ban the first person, then everyone else will figure out how we caught them and they'll be able to get around it. But if we wait six months, we'll have a huge collection. We all ban them at the same time. They're all complaining at the same time, but we caught them all. Mm -hmm. So people right now that are getting away with shenanigans, with SEO, with AI content, that's because Google's waiting. Oh. They'll wait three or six months and catch everyone at once because then they catch all the bad actors and, and can fingerprint it. Because if 10 people are making are doing the same thing, then they can see, oh, what are they doing in common? So this used to happen with other tricks. There used to be a thing called a private blog network where people would buy a bunch of websites on different domains, link them to each other, and then people would pay to join to get their website ranked up. So what does Google do? They just pay, they join as well. They join under a fake name. They get They can reverse engineer the network and then they wait six months so they get everyone on it. And then they just trash that whole group because they're cheating. So you can get away with anything for a while and the thought of like, oh, they're not getting caught right away. That's intentional. That's a strategy because if they catch you the first day, then people look for a new strategy and Google has to find how they're cheating tomorrow. But if they if they think it's working, they won't find new ways to game the system. So that's one thing. The second thing is that the way search engines work is going to change over the next year. SEO is going to disappear and be replaced with AO, which is artificial optimization. More and more, Google is going to switch from showing search results to actually just showing the answers. They already do that, right? They already will show you the top 10 list of something or like the most common questions, and you can see the answers without going to the original article. Now, there's a lot of legal questions of, are they stealing the content? The answer is yes, they absolutely are, because it's someone else wrote it, but they're showing and that person doesn't get the credit, but they've been getting away with it, so they'll keep doing it. So more and more, it's going to switch to the way homepages were like in the 90s, where all the information was on one screen. Mm -hmm. So that you don't have to go into the website. That's really what Google wants to be. It's like, oh, don't ever leave our website. We're not a search engine. We're now the content delivery network. They're switching to that model. So this stuff that marketing agencies are doing and that people are going a little too heavy in the incorrect use, kind of being like tricky with ChatGPT, it's not going to last because everyone knows. If you think Facebook doesn't know that you're being up to something or Google, come on, they're spending billions of dollars they're going to catch you because right. that's their entire industry is built around. But I feel like this is a little bit unfair. So like the tool is there to help you 
Um, so if I'm not an expert in SEO and I'm, you know, I, I want to like use an AI tool to help me get my business out there to learn some basic, basic SEO and I'm using a, this AI tool to help me, how is that cheating? That's fine. I'm talking about where you have it write an article, you don't read the article and you just publish it. That's what I'm saying is bad. That's the type of bad action I'm talking about where you're trying to keep it a secret that using AI generated content. Right, right. If right. you have an AI tool, write the rough draft and you rewrite it or you tweak it or you provide the rough draft and it's tweaking what you wrote, that's absolutely fine because you're there's a human involvement. I'm only talking about where the human involvement is removed, which right. is where people are getting caught because you always get caught. Right. That's a good point. Uh, so in your experience, how has integrating AI tools like ChatGPT, MidJourney, Claude, and Leonard revolutionized the approach to online business growth? Everything is faster. So a couple of big things have happened this year. The first thing is that with ChatGPT's top price being $20 a month, it's put a massive downward pressure on what subscription software can charge. So a lot of companies have had to drop their price, which is good for us as the consumer, right? Mm -hmm. There were AI tools that were like $150 a month last year, and now they're $29 a month. That's great for the consumer. Right. That downward pressure has kind of stopped. Basically, a lot of these companies were overcharging, or they were AI generators that would charge you per word. And then you realize, oh my gosh, they're really massively, that's why they're so profitable, because they're massively overcharging their customer base. Mm -hmm. So this now creates a place where overhead is going down. That's the first thing that's really good about these tools. A lot of these tools are cheaper than the alternative. So mid-journey is like $12 a month versus a subscription to a stock photo site, which is more than 100. Now, the second thing is that when it comes to image generation in the past, you have to spend hours searching sometimes for that perfect image. And everyone you can't get stock photos that look like everyone because they're all taken in Eastern Europe. So the models all look Eastern European. So if you want someone who looks South American or Asian, very hard to find mm. because they all are from the area where people are models for stock photo websites, right? Now right. I can get, and you can have an image. I've seen this where someone puts an image on the color cover of their book and someone else uses the same stock photo. So because uh. stock photos are for multiple people to use, that means there's the possibility of you. It's kind of like, um, if you go out on a night and you see another woman in the exact same outfit, you don't love it. You hate it. You want to be unique. And that's can happen with stock photo sites. Now with image generation, I can get an image that looks like me or whatever I want it to look like exactly what I want with any customization. Like, oh, I want the person looking to the left, not the right. I want them holding up two fingers, not one finger. Now you can get that instantly and quick. And it's a completely unique image. So I have a unique image that no one else is using. So I, for less money, faster, more customized, and completely unique. So that's another great benefit with image generation. Then when you go back to what you can do with a other AI tools, the main, the two main benefits, the first one, which I mentioned is the cost is down. So I save two to $3,000 a week in overhead because of what I've switched to AI between staff members I no longer need and tools that I'm switching away from. So my costs have really had a massive downward pressure because of this. It's been very good for me switching to tools, switching to automation, and I'm faster. So I can write a podcast description or a transcript or show notes for a podcast or a blog post outline or a book so much faster than I could on my own. 
because it accelerates me. Like a recent study found that people are 40% faster using AI. That means I can do five days of work in three days. Mm-hmm. So you can make that decision. Okay, I'm just going to work three days a week now and get the same amount of stuff done, make the same amount of money, or I'm going to work five days a week and enjoy that 40% boost in income. So that's really the benefit is it pushes down call overhead because the pricing is very good and it increases how fast you can do things. That's more than anything else is the speed. Mm-hmm. So does AI replace resources? Yes. It does. So there are certain certain tools that I used to use. Like for example, I no longer manually edit a video because an AI can do a pretty good job for a podcast video like this. I have an AI tool that will show me when I'm talking and show you when you're talking. In the past, I had to pay someone to do that or do it manually, right? Mm -hmm. So that small process went away. Now, I cannot create a video that's as good as a professional video editor, even with that tool, right? There's still a limit to what I can create and they create something much better with the same tool. But Mm -hmm. the floor has raised. That means it's also good for that person. So an expert at video editing can use the same tool and get a better result than me. So it allows me to replace these tools. And in this case, replace an employee who can now do bigger things and work on other projects because an AI tool can fill in that gap. So it's not putting people out of work. It's just giving them because they can use the same tools because it's now affordable for people. ChatGPT has a free version. A lot of these tools have free versions. I mean, anyone can get access to them. Mm-hmm. So it helps the employee as well, but it means that I can now get more done because the biggest bottleneck in any business, it's always oversight, right? It's like me checking what's going on the social media channels, me checking the clips, me checking the blog, all of that stuff. Now that's the only thing I do because the AI creates the content instead of a VA. That's really the only difference. So it, re- it really opens these doors and allows you to do more with less. And it's not... Like there are some jobs that will go away, but not very many because I can design a t-shirt using AI, but if a graphic designer takes that same design, throws it into Photoshop, they can improve it. They can always push it past what I can do. So what it raises my ability, but also raises theirs. They're still better than me. It's just that the bottom, the ceiling, I mean, the floor has changed. Yeah. So there's a lot of rumors right now around AI with what happened with the founder of ChatGPT getting hired by Microsoft uh, and Microsoft is, you know, obviously they're, they're massive. How do you think Microsoft is going to step in and change the AI uh, game? Oh, that already happened. Microsoft owns 49% of open AI. They yeah. already owned just under half of the company. So yeah. the way it's going to happen is that they're all, there's a reason that every time open AI has a new feature, it suddenly gets added to Microsoft windows. Like it's like I've co-pilot. Yeah. That's what they're doing. So they have a one-way flow of data anyways. The important thing is that there's a massive open source AI world. I think the future is going to switch from paid to free AI. I think it's going to become open source tools because there are already open source AIs that are beating different paid AIs. Mm -hmm. So that's that's why they have to constantly release new features. The reason ChatGPT keeps adding new features, oh, now we have image generation, now we can see, now we can listen. That's because every time the free AI catches up, they go, we better add a new feature. And they have billions of dollars. So they're just, and they're just staying a couple weeks ahead. About six months ago, these two researchers wrote a report, mm-hmm. massive peer-reviewed report that said, open source AI will never beat ChatGPT. 
Two weeks later, an open source AI beat ChatGPT 3.5 and they had to retract the paper. They look like idiots. Mm -hmm. Very rarely do you say never. And then the thing happens two weeks later, right? Like that's such a, that's how quick things are changing. So open source AIs, every single day, a new open source model is released. So most people don't talk about it because there's no money in it. They're all free. So that's really where the future is. So despite what Microsoft wants to happen, I think that the open source is actually the future, but I think that that's going to take over in maybe one or two years. But for now, it's going to be the bigger players and kind of vying for market share. But one, and that's why they have to keep the price down as well. The open source keeps forces them to stay honest, right? It's like, oh, you can't charge too much because people will switch to the free alternative. So that's kind of putting a check on what these larger corporations want to do. So I have a, a strange question for you. Um, I, I I talk to a lot of people in tech, and um, I'm heavily I'm heavily involved in um, like the mining industry, oil and gas, and a common thing that happens in these very old traditional um, industries is what I call them. So I feel like AI is used a lot as a buzzword, and there's AI, and then there's machine learning. There's different aspects of it. So are companies really using AI or are they using machine learning? What's the difference? And is it just a buzzword? Most of the time, yes. Probably 90% of the companies that say they're using AI are just lying. Okay. So you're absolutely correct. I've caught companies doing that. So I spend a lot of my time reviewing AI software. So I was reviewing AI website builders and I caught one of them and I realized they're just using a heuristic. They're not using any AI at all because what they do is you just select menus from a dropdown. You don't enter data. So there's no variable that you actually control. You're just choosing for options and they just fill one of three templates. I was like, this isn't even close to an AI. Mm-hmm. So that's complete. Someone I caught that's 100% lying. They have no AI involvement. There's been a couple of companies that have done massive um, IPOs this year and they just added AI to the name of their company. They launched massive IPO and then the price dropped 99% a week later when people go, this company has no AI tech at all. They're not involved in AI in any way, shape or form. So there is this, as soon as you say you're an AI company, your valuation can double or triple. So there's a massive temptation to make a bunch of money by just saying it. So it's a lot of, yeah. So there are some real ones, but they're surrounded by fake ones. So for example, every there's so many, how many AI writers have you seen, right? AI text generators. 99% of them are just chat GPT reskins. Oh. They're, so all they are is chat GPT for more money with less features. So that entire market is, none of it's worth it. It's all bad. It's all I can say is all of those tools and they should eventually go out of business as people figure it out. But people are like, oh, I could buy ChatGPT for this or that. And some of them do make it a little easier because they have they add an onboarding process or they have some pre-filled stuff, but it's not the full vanilla unlimited version of ChatGPT. But that's what they're doing is just using the ChatGPT API. So, so with, with that in mind, tell me, give me an example of, for those who don't know that much about how AI or machine learning works, how does a company use AI and what would be like an example of an AI working properly? So, I know, sorry, that's a- <laughs> No, that's a great question. It's a really good question. So 
The way an AI works is that you can ask badly and still get the right response. That's the best way to say it. Because if you, for example, in the 1980s, when it was first, you had like command line, if you got one letter wrong when you're giving an instruction, the computer had no idea what to do, right? There was no room for variance. In the same way, sometimes when I'm writing and I'm transpose two letters, the computer's spell check can't figure it out. I'm like, I mixed two letters, I swapped them and you can't figure out what the mistake was, right? When you're working with an AI, their room for error is larger, which means you can be more incorrect or more um, vague and it still figures out what you mean. That's really when you know, is that it's actually having kind of an original thought or it's bringing external data to go, oh, you said this, but you actually mean that. That's really where it, that's the best way to kind of explain it is that, that room. So machine learning is a lesser version of that, right? And full AI is the version where it has ideas on its own. Like it builds an idea on an idea. So they're just on a spectrum. So the line between them isn't super bright, but a lot of companies, their tools they're using are just they take a huge amount of data, feed it into a spreadsheet and pull out averages. And that kind of generates their machine learning database, right? That's what they're using before. So like they can organize the data, but not interpret the data. Mm. So the ability now, that's why they would have someone who would take that data and look at it and then say, oh, this is what it means. Cause this many people did that. And this many people like this. So it's just getting, it's just a smarter iteration of the same thing. When you're looking at a tool, especially if you're in traditional business, there's this old story of like the farmer and then the, someone comes with a new invention. They go, oh, this will make you 10% faster, but it's a huge amount of money. But then there's a drought that year and they end up losing the farm, right? You don't need every new technology. Honestly, 99% of companies only need an LLM, which is a text generator. It can be Claude. It can be the new one from Google. It can be Grok from Twitter or X, whatever the name of the company changes to. It can be ChatGPT. It can be an open source model. It doesn't matter. They all kind of do the same thing. They're all within 1% of each other of what they can accomplish. There's not a huge variance. 90% of what you need can be accomplished by one of these tools. The only thing beyond that is, oh, we do a lot of programming. Well, there's specialist programming versions of these tools. And then an image generator. You don't need a lot more because a lot of these other tools that make these big promises like, oh, I need an AI that's going to do like... Um, inventory management, you don't, right? You already have an inventory management system that works. Hmm. They're, like they're, this, they posted this thing like, oh, an AI came up with 280,000 possible compounds. So what? It's like, that's not useful information, right? It's like, oh, here's a bunch of things they might be able to build or might not. They might be real, they might not. So there's sometimes you jump into AI can solve every problem, but it can't solve every problem. The right. first place look at it when you're thinking about implementing in your business is go, what are processes that we do that are repetitive? Don't require a lot of brain power. Like, you know, those things you can, there's some tasks I can do and the TV can be on and some tasks I can do. I can only have music. Yeah. Those V type tasks. Those are the first ones to push to an AI tool go, Oh, an AI tool can probably do this because it's repetitive, like creating show notes for an episode or answering customer support emails. Cause most customer support emails are the same, right? There's only so many different complaints people have. Once you hit a certain number, you go, oh, there's the same hundred things cycle. So those are things that are repetitive that you can push to. The second thing you look at is like, which employee, when you pay them each week, it makes you mad. Which of my employees is I'm a, my, the most annoyed by paying? Then you figure out how you can replace them with an AI. Those are the two first steps. You're not going to replace everything. You're not going to replace 
genius in human creativity yet, maybe someday, but not with their current level of AI, right? So it's like, there's this thing, like, let's say you're digging for oil, right? There's the analyzing the data, right? You pull up a bunch of stocks, you take a scan, that stuff you can send to an AI to analyze it faster. But the artistry of knowing where to take the sample from or going, you know what, let's take another sample. That's the human element that's still there. In the same way, I'm inside of ChatGPT. So if you say write in the style of Jonathan Green, it will sound like me. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes it's a sassier version of me and it's snarkier than me. I had a fight with it earlier. I go, I don't talk like that. You've pushed it too far. I'm not that much of a smarty pants, but it's <laughs> calibrated within 10% of my personality, which is enough to yeah. make you crazy. because When you meet your twin, it's your enemy. So you can say that and you can have it right like me and you can get pretty close. It is what it is. So I accept that, right? So I'm not just someone who uses the tool. I'm someone the tool has pulled in without my permission. I found it randomly because I was asking it as a joke. I thought it would choose a more famous Jonathan Green. I said, that sounds like me. And he goes, I'm doing you. So now I know that I'm on that other end of it where it's pulled me into its database and just says what it is. And it's going to get better and better at being able to replace my voice, replace my video, eventually you can make a video that looks and sounds exactly like me with a script that's exactly like me. And it just is the way the tool is going. So So, I have a a follow-up question to that. So does that mean that every time I use ChatGPT, let's say I use ChatGPT for my blog writing and I'm using it to write and then I'm rewriting and it's, is it learning from me based on the changes that I make? And every time I logged into ChatGPT, it knows my tone and my writing style. So I don't know for sure. And if you ask OpenAI, they won't tell you for sure. Everyone always says, we're not stealing your data. And then they wink and you're like, wait, what does that wink mean? So I would guess, this is pure speculation on my part, that they're keeping everything. They say they're not, but I would say that they probably are. They're anonymizing it. But they're probably keep. I know that they use the prompts you do, and that if you say some, if you break one of their rules, like you ask it to do something that's a violation, you get a warning. And I know it gets they record it. What happens after that? I'm not a hundred percent sure. I don't know if they're just keeping everything. The reason it knows me is that they, when they were training the AI, it read one of my books. Okay. So that's how I got in there, and I do know that for some people I know it, they're not in there. So people, but you can make it right in your style other ways. So I don't know that it's keeping the data, but I don't know that it's not. I don't have enough confidence to say, no, they're not keeping anything. Okay. So given your extensive experience, where do you see the role of AI tools in the evolution of online businesses over the next five years? So I think they're going to switch from optional to nice to haves to you should have it to three to five years of experience required to they no longer put on job applications because they assume you have that expertise. Oh, wow. So that's how it's going to go. You know, just like now you don't see on a job when they're listing a job, they never say email skills required because they assume you know how to do email. They assume you know how to use Microsoft. They assume you know how to know PowerPoint. Very rare. Do you get someone who applies for a job and goes, Oh, I don't know how to do email. I don't know how to turn on a computer. Whereas in the past, 20, 30 years ago, that would happen. So it just switched from optional to mandatory to assumed. So that's what's going to happen as far as jobs and employment. What's really good about AI is that it's the great equalizer. Mm -hmm. Anyone can write perfect English now because the way you would detect a Filipino VA or Russian VA or South African VA is they would use slang 
or phrases that are not exactly right or not exactly American style, right? Now with an AI, you can write anything, run it through there, and it's going to have perfect grammar, perfect spelling, perfect colloquializations, perfect localizations. So it's actually removed this barrier that's kept foreign writers out of the American get ghost writing market. That's a good thing for them. Yeah. So I actually think it's going to raise the people who make the least are going to now have access to better markets. Mm-hmm. It's good for them. I think it's also going to lower the barrier to entry to starting your own business. When I started out, I to make a landing page where I would just give someone a free gift or give me their email address, I had to build it in Dreamweaver. Right. I would buy an HTML template and have to like mess around with it. And I don't know HTML. I would have to watch training videos. It was really hard. It would take me one day to make one opt-in page and it would look ugly. Now I can, with AI, I can code one from scratch. It looks beautiful. Or I can use another tool and kind of combine with AI to create it. But now it takes me seven to 10 minutes to do something that used to take eight hours. So it allows more people who are not technical and to the market. You don't need to be a copywriter anymore because you can get B plus copywriting done with a template and chat GPT very quickly. So do you recommend that people should at least take some sort of course or training on how to use proper AI? So you can watch, I mean, obviously I would love if people read my book, but you can also just watch YouTube videos. That's how I started. It takes a little bit longer. You can watch it in action. I recommend you go on YouTube, you watch, you'll figure out really quickly which people on YouTube are faking and which aren't. There's not that many good teachers. There's only like 10 people that are any good and you'll find them. And you can watch some training videos to master AI, to master chat GPT takes less than one day. If you sit down and go, I'm going to spend one work day, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., take an hour off for lunch and master AI, you can in one day. You can master any one tool in one day. And that's not how Photoshop works. You can't master Photoshop in one day. That's like six months or two years or programming. So the learning curve seems really steep. It seems like, oh, it's so hard to learn. AI. It's not. It's actually really easy once you kind of figure out how it works a little bit and then anything is possible. So I think that everyone needs to start because the tool is going to become ubiquitous. Just like everyone knows how to use email now. Everyone knows how to send a text message now. It's going to become like that because certain ways of doing things that exist now are going to disappear. My kids don't understand when I say, oh, in high school, I had a pager. And they go, what's a pager? I say, oh, someone could pick up a payphone and say, wait, what's a payphone, right? And I say, oh, so mommy would pick up the landline and they go, what's a landline? So all this technology that was so exciting, right? Now it's just gone. They go, what do you mean? You Someone would send a text message to a tiny thing and you couldn't even reply and they could only send numbers and tell you who to call. And you have to go find a machine somewhere to call them back. That sounds insane to my kids. They don't understand non-touch screens. Right. I'm to shout at them to don't fingerprint the TV because you touch the TV screen. It's like ruined forever. It's like unfixable, right? Or my computer runners. I'm like, no, no, those aren't touch screens. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> right. They don't understand like a video game controller. So that's what's going to happen to where the old way of doing things, those tools will stop getting made and stop getting updated. So you have no choice but to change. And it's just a shift in the market. So we're not really sure exactly what the future is going to be, but I can tell you that the opportunities are going way up, not down, that it's a lot easier to do a lot more things. And it's most likely the market's going to fracture, which means a lot of small businesses are going to get a little enough market share to survive instead of a couple of big businesses taking everything. So for the listeners who are just learning about AI or just starting out um, or starting a business, 
what are your top tips for using AI to generate revenue and potentially replace a nine to five income? Sure. Like I said, the first thing is to find those tasks that are repetitive and kind of boring, and it can be at work as well. Replace those. The second thing is um, the secret to chat GPT. I call this the master prompt. This will change everything for you. Most people approach AI command obey. I'll tell you what to do when you do it. And that discounts the AI part of it. Now it just becomes a computer that's a little bit smart. Instead, you allow the chat in chat GPT to exist. And the way you do this is you say, I want to do X, whatever it is. I want to write podcast show notes. I want to write a blog post. I want to design my customer avatar. Whatever that is, it's the, this is what I want. You state the goal. That's the first sentence. The second sentence is, what information do you need from me? Question mark. When you do that, you switch and you don't have to be a prompt engineer or genius anymore. Now the expert is the AI. The AI can do what it was meant to do. And it will tell you, oh, question one, question two, question three, question four, question five. And then it will just write the answer and the answer will be amazing. Oh, wow. This bypasses the learning curve. It's the biggest game changer. When I figured that out and I figured it out because someone said to me, it was like, it was a fill in the blank. He goes, oh, just in the blank. Someone puts in whatever their customer avatar is. And I go, for a new owner of a business, that's the worst question there is. Mm -hmm. Figure out your customer avatar is so hard. It's right. known to be a super hard question, right? So I said, there has to be an easier way than this. This is crazy. You can't make that the, the Mad Libs fill in the blank thing. It's like fill in the blanks with the hardest thing. It's like, if I said to you, oh, just fill in the blank with your deepest, darkest secret of all time. You're like, what? I don't want to do that, right? Like, that doesn't sound very fun. That sounds hard. Oh, yeah. So, so it's the same thing. It's like, no, there has to be an easy way. So I said to the to ChatGP, I said, how do I figure out my customer avatar? That's the first time I wrote the prompt. And it gave me seven questions. I only answered five of them. By number five, it goes, here's a, and it gave me an amazing, amazing customer avatar. I said, oh, this is unbelievable. It switched it to, it. instead of me guessing what information it needs, it just tells me. And that's the difference between an AI and a computer is that it will tell you what it needs and then you can provide it and then you get a great result. That's amazing. I had no idea. I'm going to try that. Well, awesome. that's been, that's all the time. The time went by so fast. Um, this was a fascinating conversation. I feel like I learned a lot. Um, tell our, our listeners how, what is the name of your book? How can we find it? How can they reach out to you? Everything about sure. you. Sure. My name is Jonathan Green. And my book is chat GPT profits by Jonathan Green. It's a bestseller on Amazon, easy to find. There's an audio book with an amazing narrator that does different accents for me versus the computer. Really great job. She did amazing. My website is servenomaster.com. If you Google serve no master, if you can't remember the.com or the spelling, every result is me. And I have a whole page called servemaster.com forward slash AI with all my free gifts, links to my books, and all the stuff you need to get started with AI is all on one page. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Jonathan, for coming on the show and walking us through this AI journey. Uh, it was a pleasure to meet you. And uh, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you for tuning in today. As we wrap up today's insightful conversation with Jonathan, who walked us through the opportunities AI offers to help build your business. To our listeners, thank you for joining us in this journey of discovery and inspiration. Remember, the path to success is paved with learning, adaptation, and tenacity. 
Until next time, keep pushing boundaries and turning your visions into reality. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform, Tenacity with Sonia C. Join our community on social media at Techie Sonia C. I would love to hear from you. Leave a review and tell me what topics you'd like me to explore in the future. Remember, the future belongs to those who embrace change and innovation with tenacity. Keep striving, keep innovating, and most importantly, stay tenacious in your pursuits. Thank you for tuning in, and I look forward to bringing you more inspiring conversations in our upcoming episodes. This is Sonia signing off, but as always, remember to chase your dreams with tenacity.